and I did a 300 foot dive. That's not why you're in it. If you, if you are, you're, you're in the wrong place. Not, I'm not saying that you can't learn from that person, but the journey with a true master is a thousand times more difficult. And it's a lot of, you know, frustration on the student's part because what that teacher asks of you is is difficult a lot of times it's much more challenging and it's really going to make you examine yourself The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. everybody well welcome back to the great dive podcast we are here for part two of mastery in scuba diving with your host brando magnifico once again <laughs> magnifico. and el gringo spectacular old jamesy this is uh our spanish is in honor of our good Good friend Jorge, our our bueno and, amigo Jorge. And yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. It was Cinco de Mayo. And today's Seis de Mayo. It's muy bueno. Seis de Mayo. Not, not Seiso de Mayo. I heard that if you just put an O at the end of any word, not anymore. it basically makes it Spanish. That's why I thought you wanted to speak Dude. Spanish the other day, because you've been calling yourself Brando. Not anymore. I don't know if you're, you're not, obviously not, you know, woke. Hang on, I'm going to have a drink of my coffee hole. Alright, so, in last week's show. What's that? I said, so in last week's show. Yes. We started with the idea that we were going to talk about that old school harassment training and then we kind of veered off topic which is so unusual for for you or i well (laughs) i detect a note of sarcasm in that statement but i would say there's there's a a nice benefit to sometimes straying off the beaten path you know what? I actually enjoyed recording last week's show. Oh yeah, it, it was just a mostly free discussion, and um, it went a different way, and it magically stayed on that track. It didn't go into a hundred different directions, which is why I usually try to keep, you know, some sort of an outline for for what we're trying to do because we have a tendency to <laughs> um, <laughs> we tendency to, we have a. We have a uh, yeah. <laughs> we have a, we have a tendency to be like really like only two or three tangents from talking about aliens and 
you know, global domination or, or some <laughs> variation of aliens. Who knows, who knows where? Who I don't think we've ever talked about aliens ever. Now, global domination. I think you can infer there's a there is some kind of global domination going on, but yeah, I don't think we haven't talked aliens. What is your take on aliens, James? Stop right there. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Illegal aliens, off-planet aliens. What aliens are we talking about? We talking about greys. We talking about reptilians. <laughs> Big difference. You are into that stuff. I like, knew I don't it. want to talk. About, I don't want to talk about anything stupid. The <laughs> so Pleiadians. Figure it out right Is now. it the Pleiadians? Is that it? <laughs> But no, so we so we kind of veered off topic a little bit and, and started talking about mastery and skill mastery, and I, I was really enjoying where it was going. But but we did kind of leave the people like right in the middle there. So we decided to continue this show on. So if this is the first show you've listened to from Great Dive Podcast, welcome to the show. But you should hit stop and go back an episode and listen to two fifteen. And then listen to this one. Yes, if you want to go in order. I don't know. Will these so, be able to stand alone? I, you know what? This will stand alone. Okay. In and of itself. Because what we're going to do today is we are going to talk about George Leonard's five keys to mastery. So we started talking a little bit about that book, Mastery, by George Leonard, that was sent to me by, by my buddy Jeff Seckendorf from UTD. You know, he had me on that podcast of his, and we were talking about this very thing. Sent me this book. It's a fantastic read. It's a quick read. I mean, it's not even 200 pages, and it's just exciting stuff. And old George was a a bit of a Zen philosopher in, in ways. He was an Aikido practitioner, a lifelong Aikido practitioner. There's Zen right there, yeah. And, I mean, this book is really fantastic way of looking at really anything that there is that you want to do, that you want to get good at, how you can set yourself up for success, and more importantly, a lifelong enjoyment of the endeavor you're about to take. Because, you know, when you look at anything out there, and I would say scuba diving is no differently, there's always somebody that's trying to come up with a new quick fix, an effortless way to get from point A to point B, some quick result, fast orientation scheme to sell you, rather than what George is telling us and what everybody who's been working at something for a long time knows, the real way, the only way, is to dedicate yourself to a, a lifelong path of learning and staying in it forever. That's exactly right. Well, I think, and I think we, we touched upon, you know, a, a working definition of mastery would, <laughs> I mean, that definition would have to include that idea that it's a lifelong process. It's a continual process of uh, working towards perfection without actually being able to achieve it. Yeah, the true the true expert knows that you'll never get there. Well, the true wise man knows you never achieve perfection. We're we're flawed inherently. Yeah, which and, is and, good. But but knowing mm -hmm. that you're flawed 
is is what is going to prevent you from getting this false sense of security of thinking that you've got it. Right. That so yeah, you did it a couple times. Chalk it up to perfection and experience, right? The, the somebody who's really trying to achieve mastery knows that the only way you're even going to get close to that is if you always accept that you have a beginner's mind and are on a quest of learning. Right. Right. Yeah. You're only going to get close. You can't. You can't achieve perfection. It's. It's like any absolute. Can you name an absolute that is true? You can absolute never do that. Vodka. You can absolute never vodka. do that. <laughs> absolute vodka. <laughs> of course, of course, your mind goes there. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, are we, we, we doing coffee this morning, or are we switching to Bloody Marys? What are we whatever, doing? It, whatever it takes. So let me let me read a little bit of this introduction to these five keys. George says that the human individual is equipped to learn and go on learning prodigiously from birth to death. And this is precisely what sets him or her apart from all other known forms of life. Man has at various times been defined as a building animal, a working animal, and a fighting animal. But all of these definitions are incomplete and finally false. Man is a learning animal. And the essence of the species is encoded in that simple term. He says, in this light, the mastery of skills that are not genetically programmed is the most characteristically human of all activities. The first and best of this learning involves no formal arrangements, whatever. The world itself is school enough. We all participate in a master's journey in early childhood when we learn to talk or to walk. Every adult or older child around us is a teacher of language, the type of teacher who smiles at success, permits approximations, and isn't likely to indulge in lectures. We achieve an upright stance and a bipedal locomotion with the help of the same encouraging, permissive instructors along with the immediate and decisive assistance of gravity, a master teacher, if ever there was one. Then, two, humans are genetically predisposed toward language and bipedal locomotion. Later, however, he says, we face the task of learning skills for which there's no cooperative surrounding environment, skills for which we aren't as genetically predisposed to develop, Neither jet planes nor grand pianos were involved in the early evolution of Homo sapiens. More and more, as we emerge into the teen and adult years, we must find our own doors to mastery. And that's what uh, he goes through in these next couple of little chapters, talk about these are the five keys that we need to learn. Five, these, these ten keys. You just need these 10 <laughs> keys. <laughs> Shoot. These five, five keys. keys are the secrets to mastery. But I guess like to to give a quick overview, right? It's basically it's it's not about reaching your goal and getting your reward. It's internalizing what you're doing. It's accepting that it's a learner's journey. You got to realize that 
learning something and getting really good at it, you're going to hit resistance along the way? Well, yeah. Let me ask you something, James. Have you ever done anything where it's like, oh, you know, we talked about this in the last episode, too. Right. It's just so easy. Do you want to keep doing it? No, you toss it aside. The the, the things that I have in my life that I love, you know, made me work at it, made me nervous to perform, made me, you know, a little bit fearful and and get the get the, you know, the the sweats even thinking about it because I had to put the work in to get good at it. This sounds like your relationship with your wife. <laughs> that's I know the one, that's what I'm it's, it's exactly definitely the, 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 the relationship of me with my wife, and maybe she has more of the uh, challenge than I do. But, <laughs> but yes, anything good requires that, right? Yeah, if Work, it takes sweat. you out of your comfort zone. Anything. That's that's a, a sign that you're putting in the work that's mm-hmm. allowing you to grow as a person. Exactly. I think uh, if you look at any of these, uh, I don't want to call them self-help gurus, it kind of minimizes them. But these people that really have some wisdom to share with the human population that talk about how to better yourself, I think without uh, exception, every single one of them will say, challenge yourself every day with something. You know, wh- yeah. whatever it be, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation every day. Yeah, that that uncomfortableness is not something to avoid, right? If you want to grow and get better, it's something to embrace, right? right. Those, those discomforting signs of of the anxiety, the nervousness, the the unsureness, those those are signs that you're that you're growing. That's exactly right. And as you overcome each little hurdle, you gain confidence. And exactly. you get better at what, what you're attempting to do. And I guess lastly, I, I think that's George Leonard's point in this book, is it's enjoying the process should be right. the goal, not just getting the trophy, not you know, not the big fancy reward at the end. Right? That shouldn't be what you're striving for. It mm-hmm. should be the lifelong process of learning and growth that you're really striving for. Well, that enjoying the process is a... That's a Zen concept, which is be present, be in the moment, be in the process, not not be in your mind looking at, you know, I've got my Trimix card. You know, that's what's in your mind when you're doing it. You're missing it. Right. You're missing it, brother. You're uh, missing it. Exactly. Uh-huh. Because if you just focus on the, on the practice of diving – Years later, you're going to find yourself doing the Trimix dives because they just came. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think George Leonard uh, said something about that, about the being present, you know, not not going. Obviously, he, he did. But he said something about the being present, that Western culture really has removed that from the human experience. Western culture has because of its drive towards career, you know, career goals. It's orientation or it's it's focus on goal versus journey to the goal or journey towards the goal. The goal should just be something to set you on your path, you know, versus the end-all, be-all of everything. And that doesn't mean you don't achieve goals, but what it means is take advantage of being on that journey and, and enjoy it and use it to become a better person. 
he's got a chapter in here called America's War Against Mastery. Ah. Where, yeah, he basically says, you know, like, American life, you know, is set up around a consumerist society and has spent, you know, decades now conditioning us well, yeah. to have the easy, quick fix. It starts in our education system and continues through our, you know, media and our programming. And oh, it, it's yeah. everywhere around us. It's constantly being input into your brain. And the, the social norms, the, uh, the, the, if you look, you know, people are always trying to keep up with the Joneses. They define their happiness in America by how much better they're doing than their peers. So, Correct. And that means how much more they have. It doesn't mean how masterful they are of certain things, right? It just means how much money you got, basically. That's what it comes down to. He mentions talking about that very thing, right, the Western world that we're in. He says, the sitcoms and soaps and crime shows and MTV all run on the same hyped-up schedule. Number one. If you make smart-ass one-liners for a half hour, everything will work out in time for the closing commercials. True. In, in a sitcom? Uh, that's the whole point of it, yeah, though. Yeah, you, you, you got yeah. 30 minutes. Like, anything in the world could be solved in 30 minutes, right? Right. Number two, people are quite nasty. Don't work hard and get rich quickly. Number three... No problem is so serious that it can't be resolved in the wink of an eye as soon as the gleaming barrel of a handgun appears. And number four, the weirdest fantasy you can think of can be realized instantly and without effort. You know, that being you know, what, what the Western world is conditioned to every time they turn on the TV, every time they turn well. on the radio, every time they get on the Internet. <laughs> well, I think that it's a bit of an exaggeration, and... You do have to look at it like, okay, we've got a half hour to present a funny story and things have to happen. Uh, Of course, you're not going to see the intimate details of hard work and sweat equity and all that stuff going into becoming, uh, quote unquote, rich and or famous. Yeah, exactly. Because that's a that's a boring ass TV show. Well, yeah, watch it. It's 30, just 30, 30 minutes of, of the guy like uh, <laughs> watching somebody get up at the crack of fucking dawn, work for 16 to 20 hours a day and do it every day and sacrifice who knows what, you know, besides family, relationships, uh, le- leisure time, all of that they yeah. sacrifice. You don't see that. All for the sake of the the letter A in the of the calligraphy, <laughs> just getting a little bit prettier, you know. Ten years later, that is a boring ass television show, right? Well, it so is. That's why they do that. But but I think what he's saying there is that so many people in this society, you know, go through life in that rat race, and they they don't even consider that hard work. They just expect it to come to you, and all they expect to exactly. get is the quick fix exactly the, the effortless here's the step-by-step guide and uh you've you do it i say shame on them shame on them for Agreed. not having i would agree the critical thought of of looking at it and going that's not that's tv it's not real if you if you don't teach your children this 
it's really easy to get hypnotized. I, I completely sympathize or empathize. But if you don't have the thought process of going, not real, it's there to humor me and give me a break from reality, <laughs> you know, it's there to blow off some steam. That's it. Those TV right. shows. And, and I think that's what we are doing here on this show on right the great now. We are teaching the people to have the appreciation for that. Right. So the first of Leonard's keys to mastery is instruction, right? And if you want to learn something, you can, you know, order a bunch of books and you can sit around on YouTube for a couple of weeks and and you can self-educate yourself or you can find yourself a great teacher and he starts off that chapter by saying there are some skills you can learn on your own and some you can try to learn. But if you intend to take the journey of mastery, the best thing you can do is to arrange for first rate instruction. Oh, 1000%. You don't have enough time in your life to relearn everything, right? (laughs) Yeah. You have to stand on the shoulder of giants to make progress. That's how the world and the Western world got to where it is right now is you didn't relearn everything. You're like, oh, that guy is a success over there. He's reading books. He's got a PhD. I'm going to start from square one with, with these books, and I'm not going to have a teacher. I'm just going to do it on my own. Right. You, you're never going to achieve the, uh, success with that. You don't have enough time in your life. I mean, you can you can achieve a degree of success, but you can't you can't get that close to mastery unless you – like I, like I said, and I used to say when I taught classes, stand on the shoulder of giants. We didn't invent well, any of this diving stuff that we know. Right, yeah. Right? We, are we, we learned it, but you and I did what he just said. Recognized right? it. We, ar- we arranged for first-rate instruction. We looked for an instructional mm-hmm. lineage that was going to mean something. And that's something that, you know— George, coming from an Aikido martial arts background, instructional lineage is a very important thing oh. to the to the to choosing the mm-hmm. school that you're going to. Agreed, one thousand percent. And he says the search for good instruction starts with a look at credentials and lineage. Who is your teacher's teacher? Who is that teacher's teacher? And so on. Back to the timeless time when individual identity disappears in the myth of first beginnings. Yeah, very well said. Uh, you, again, that is standing on the shoulders of giants. You got to each teacher adds something to that book per se, and that's what your teacher is. Kind of, really, is a book, uh, the, a book of everything they know, and they filled that book from their prior instructor or teacher. And they try to put in everything that one knows. So by the you know fourth or fifth generation of the, this this instructor, you got a pretty wise. Uh, I'd like to call a masterful uh, instructor, if if it's all good stuff. Now it can go the other way too, don't you think, James? Well, sure. You look at any of the like instructor mills around the world <gasps> that just churn out as quick as possible. This is like in, in in two weeks you can go from open water diver to instructor, mm-hmm. you know, just knocking out you know this this program. This is what makes a great dive podcast so great is because you went exactly where I was thinking with that was 
the f- fucking instructor mills at with uh, you complete <laughs> you, <me. laughs> you had me at when when you look <laughs> but it's it, it it is so true when you have multiple generations or a, you know like you say an instructor mill these people are just turning out a, a rank they're turning out a, a a licensure, basically. It, it, they are not really turning out mastery by any means. Right. I mean, I, I mean, this is like the, you know, the karate kid principle, right? It, it's There's a difference between, you know, taking a self-defense class from a taekwondo instructor at the local YMCA mm-hmm. and going on a lifelong journey of what, Wax on, wax Leonard's, off. Leonard's doing with uh, the Aikido journey of, right. of lifelong mastery, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see this out of your instructor by, you know, one, like looking at your instructor's other students. Oh, for sure. For sure. What, what are they turning out? Mm-hmm. When you see people in the water that are f- impressive to see, that blow your mind with, with the ability that they have of control, of clarity, of awareness, of, of seeing things happen, right? And you talk to them, you can learn from the lineage that they went to get to where they got. Exactly. Yeah, that's why you have to seek out good instructorship. And I, I mean, I can speak for myself. I learned the hard way. And I'm not saying any of my prior instructors were terrible because they weren't. They, they did what they knew to do. Um, I would say compared to, you know, my last batch of instructors, the prior ones from that aren't even in the same league. I mean, when you, you know, I'd look at, and I'm going to, uh, Andrew, Georgitsis, you know, no matter how you feel about him, I, the guy is a master in the water and he, he knows diving. I, you just can't argue that with him. So going to him from my other instructors was this huge leap where a whole lot of finally the light bulbs started going off. You got to have that ability though to look look at what you're doing and say something's not right. You got to have that critical thinking. Where is the shortcomings here? Is it in the instruct instruction I'm seeking? You know, it's cuz something seemed missing the whole time until then, until it all fell into place. That's just I mean, I'm just one story. So. Is it? Uh, aren't you the one that said something about like uh, truly, um, you know, seek something and your instructor will appear? <laughs> Don't, you, you the, have, you've had that the, quote somewhere. In, in I your, was going to say in the, the instructor will appear when you are ready for the instructor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Well, there's a, like, a number. Well, of and, and that's what a good a good teacher is going to set you up on that path of long learning, not. Right. Quick learning, right? Like you'll you'll hear to that instructor's voice when you and when the instructor's like classes, you know, today you get the card tomorrow, next classes the day after right. that, you get that card versus the instructor that's there that is patient with you, empathetic with your learning process and is ready to guide you on that journey, you'll immediately get a different feeling about that quest that you're in if it's scuba or or playing the guitar or, or whatever it is, but you have to have a pure quest too. You you can't be in it for the ego. You can't be in it for the card. You can't be in it to you know wear the stupid jacket at the pub. 
and I did a 300 foot dive. That's not why you're in it. If you if you are, you're you're in the wrong place. Not I'm not saying that you can't learn from that person, but the journey with a true master <laughs> is a thousand times more difficult, and it's a lot of you know frustration on the student's part because what that teacher asks of you is is difficult a lot of times it's much more challenging and it's really going to make you examine yourself ultimately that's what you get into so if you go into it with the pure motivation or the pure desire to become a better diver not to say (laughs) i just want to go deep because there's some wrecks i need to see so I'm going to go take a class, get a card, and go blow the bubbles with the magic gas. I think you're, A, ripping yourself off. B, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for ultimately failure in the sense of you'll quit diving because, yeah, once you go down there, you'll probably be able to do the dive. You'll probably live, probably be fine, but you won't have real – you'll say – I really didn't achieve anything. I didn't have to work for it very hard. There was no um, investment in, into that goal, if you will. So you basically got your goal without taking the journey very much. Or you made the well, journey a piece of shit journey. And well, you got there the goal. you go, right? Because the reward was the goal, not the journey. Thank you. Whereas, Why didn't you just say it like I did? Well, like, because uh, I said it I, in I like one to, sentence. <laughs> I got it done right. <laughs> I like to muddle things up a little. I like to be. <laughs> I like to throw uh, a thousand words in where we could use five. <laughs> so he ends uh, that little section about instruction with reminding the people that the path of mastery learning never ends. And in the words of the great Japanese swordmaster Yamamoto Deshu. He says, do not think. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we, had, we had to put that uh, that Japanese sensei oh, intonation. That. <laughs> Very good. Because you on your part-time job as a sumo wrestler, that's how you talk. <laughs> do not think that this is all there is. Very good, James. I like it. More and more. Wonderful teachings exist. The sword is unfathomable. I don't know if we're making fun of Japanese people. I hope nobody oh, takes no. that because it's great. That is a great Japanese accent. It sounds uh, very authentic. Arigato. Arigato yourself. But no, he's saying, right, don't think that this is all there is. Right. There's more and more like i've shown you everything that i that i know but there's more and more wonderful teachings out there that exist yeah the sword is unfathomable of what you can learn if you spend the time with it i like the sword is unfathomable the sword and is that is that not how like the piano is like one day we went from plink 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 to like mozart Mm -hmm. you know with spending time with it beyond just learning right well yeah yeah. I mean, you can look at this, too, in the micro and the macro. You can look at it as individual humans. Well, let's do progressing. it. <laughs> but then you look at the oh, whole. Oh, how'd you like that? I just pulled a brand exactly. over. Exactly. <laughs> just do it. 
But you look at individual humans getting better at, a, at an endeavor and challenging themselves and, and working towards mastery. But then you can also look at the, the, like the human population, you know, and, and I know the whole world likes to criticize humanity and we're horrible creatures. We just destroy everything. That's not entirely true. Actually, quite beautiful. We, we are constantly evolving and we are constantly striving towards mastery of our humanity. And, it, you know, you got to really look like you got plopped on this planet, no instruction manual. Here you fucking go, bitches. Have at it and look at where we are. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying, yeah, brag about it, but I'm saying we've come a long way. And yeah, no doubt. I mean, the wise man knows you got a long way to go. There's but there's no end either. So let's, let's not be so hard on ourselves. Keep striving for better. But. OK, does it, let, me, it, let me light. Let me lighten this up with a joke. I can't. I always got to go to the heavy, man. I'm, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, lighten, I'm lightening this up with a joke. Here we go. How many humans heavy, does it take to put heavy. a this light heavy. bulb in? A German joke? How many Germans does it take to put a light bulb in? Texans. This is a Texan joke. Oh, I was going to say, th- this one's for Wolfie. Nine! <laughs> <laughs> so there's a couple of Texans driving around on their Cadillac up in New York. On their way to a concert, they get lost in New York's Lower East Side. And they stop to ask this bearded elder gentleman for directions. I gave him directions. <laughs> they stopped to ask Brando for directions. This is actually true. <laughs> I'm going to change this up. So let me, let me change this whole joke up. James and his wife were driving around in, in the New York's Lower East Side. And uh, we see Brando standing on the corner. So I pull up. I say, hey, Brando, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Brando looks at me and he says, practice. I don't know if that's a joke as much as it's a, uh, an insight, a clever insight. But yes, yes, so true, very true. And that is George Leonard's second key to mastery. Practice. Talking about practice, he says, for one who is on the master's journey... The word is best conceived of as a noun, not as something you do, but as something that you have, something that you are. In this sense, the word is akin to the Chinese word Tao or the Japanese word Do, both of which mean literally road or path. Practice is the path upon which you travel. Just that. I like it. I hope uh, I hope this podcast inspires some uh, newer divers. I mean, because this I is too. this is the kind of stuff I you know I've kind of been into it satellite. In other words, dabbled in it in my youth, college, high school. Always had books like that around, but only when I got into um, heavily into diving did I start. I really got into these to this material where you're well, learning that's because like you finally f- found something that you wanted to have a lifelong path of well it was it was not only that but that it was that i wanted to master it m- mentally uh because that's what i mean to me the the whole diving thing is a mental mastery of yourself underwater 
in oh that no no doubt right? about it i mean they they call it like you know we're sport diving or the sport of diving but it's not like a competition where you're scoring points no. against another diver you're in competition with yourself right underwater exactly and how you feel underwater yeah you know, and, and how you approach it and how you actually do it yes that i mean that's what you and i have taught right that's you know that's something that you showed me that like blew me away and that's been my path ever since right right yeah yeah and it's it, it's it's a more rewarding path than the path i was on it's it's a more challenging path and it's a l- lot more enjoyable it's a ton more enjoyable well that's because you're not practicing it for the specific goal of right. getting better at your back kick you're you're partaking in that practice because it's what you do mm-hmm. i mean it, it's the journey that you're on very good yeah i'm reading some of his stuff his this interview he has and um he talks about time on the mat and time off the mat and and how everything really is practice and you have looking at it in that manner you gain a tremendous benefit because your time off the mat is is much greater than your time on the mat. It's just like diving. Your time out of the water is a thousand times greater than your time in the water. Even if yeah, you're even if you're the most active right. diver in the world. Right. So how do you incorporate the idea that you're still striving in your journey towards mastery when you're not in the water? Right? How can you do it? And it and it goes to that mental the mental aspects of it. But it can also be physical. I mean I, I look at um how we teach things are are building blocks, right, James? We we have little little tiny little skills that you learn, right? That that make up a bigger skill. It's like almost a system. So you have these building blocks. And I remember uh, our buddy Old Scotty when we first started diving with the back plate, and you you know how uh, it's a little different, clipping things off and all that muscle memory you're trying to build. And if yes. you're only doing it in the water when you have your harness on, it's going to take a lot longer to build that that muscle memory. So Scott used to drive around like he'd drive to work. He'd have his harness on, and he'd just clip clip bolt snaps off on his harness as he's driving to work, which I thought, that's awesome. I mean, it builds the muscle memory. You're doing it. You're getting that much more practice time, and it's a, it's a small, very tiny little aspect, particle of the big thing. And I had a... Pre-med college roommate, and studying's kind of like practice, but he would do this. Uh, he'd put little note cards into Ziploc baggies, and he'd have them all duct taped in the shower. So he's taking a shower. He's studying. They were taped all over the room, you know. And just I know some people do that with foreign language stuff, you know, label everything. Right, yeah. But you can take your practice off the mat. In other words, you can you can continually strive that mastery whether you're in the water or out of the water and it's all about mindset and and understanding what components make up uh you know your skill set or whatever you're trying to do if that's make i mean i'm, I'm hope i'm not going like way no, off no, that, you wanted exactly, to go with it but nope you're you're right on the right on the spot okay you know george leonard says that the master is the one who stays on the mat five minutes longer than everybody else Ah, very good to a lot of people you know being the master is the goal 
right? I, I've did I've done my work. I did my practice. And for for him, you know, they're talking about martial arts. And you take your bumps, you take your bruises. Maybe you win a couple of trophies. You win a, some cool tournament, and people might refer to you as like a master of mm-hmm. of martial arts. Or you might be, you know, you have just dove, you know the. Edmund Fitzgerald, you are a master of scuba diving. And and what he says at the end of this section is, but that's not really the point. What is mastery? At the heart of it, mastery is practice. And mastery is staying on the path rather than just the goal. Right. And and we lose (laughs) when you're looking at scuba diving. We don't have many masters. Because we're losing a lot of people in diving. They go off the path. They think they've achieved the goal. Well, I, I mean, does has the industry not been setting us up for goal orientation for the last Boom. five decades? That industry is a Western model right there. Look at the goal. Look at the goal. You can have this. Just pay us some money. You can have this pretty little piece of paper that lets you do magic things underwater, like breathe and flop around. Yeah, so exactly. We are set up for for leaving the sport if you go the mainstream route. Now, the third key is surrender. The willingness to surrender. To give up of ego? What does he mean? Talk to me, James. Teach me, Sensei James. It's like what we call, and we're going to get into coming up, you know, that law of readiness. Okay, okay. Right? Yeah. Like getting rid of your ego, like you said, mm-hmm. and ha- being open and willing to learn and, and accept what what you're about to be given. Be ready says, to fail. Cur- <laughs> he, he's, uh, yeah, yeah. He says the courage of a master is measured by his or her willingness to surrender. This means surrendering to your teacher and to the demands of your discipline. It also means surrendering your own hard-won proficiency from time to time in order to reach a higher or different level of proficiency. Uh, being able to to be to accept not being perfect at it and doing the hard work. Right. Like w- which is where a lot of people get tripped up, right? They do a couple of things, they get kind of good at it, and I'll just cruise right here in this happy comfort zone. Oh yeah. Well, it, because it's comfortable, James. It's comfortable. I don't have to challenge myself. I've reached this I'm I'm here. <laughs> They said I did good. I got the handshake when I cleared my mask that one time. It's easy just to stay there and not do it again. Yeah, he says, after all, learning almost any significant skill involves certain indignities. Your first few dives are likely to be belly flops, and they'll draw the attention of almost everyone at the pool. Are you willing to accept that? If not, forget diving. Yes. Check the ego at the door and... and Go out and make some mistakes. It's the only way you learn. I mean, that's a, this is a great point. I mean, we brought it up last week. We brought up the same the same uh, paragraph, the same excerpt. And it, yeah, you you have to be able to know that you're gonna take bumps and bruises. You're gonna be embarrassed. You're going to be looking not proficient at what you're doing. <laughs> okay. Because that's how we learn. You have to start somewhere. Nobody just gets up and, you know, paints a Picasso painting or whatever you want to compare it to. But you have to practice. You have to fall. You have to put the time in. 
I don't know. I keep I keep wanting yeah, to say, said, tell me something that you just grabbed, you just did it, and you were excellent at it. Like the first time you ever did it, and every time after. Is there anything? Well, you know, he he mentions like being like an early student in in Aikido, and you know the the teachers doing some. You know, like bending movements that they do, uh-huh. and his first thought that he has, he says, was, "We've already done that technique." Like, we, <laughs> we already showed him that. You know? He's like, that remark didn't even elicit a reply. <laughs> <He's> right? <just laughs> not even gonna. It's not even gonna be entering in his <laughs> his brain to be present. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, shut up. <laughs> and he says, "Yo." And now, like years later, like I've practiced that movement mm-hmm. fifty thousand times if I've done it once, basically, right? Right. And he and he says, actually, the essence of boredom is to be found in the obsessive search for novelty. Satisfaction lies in mindful repetition, the discovery of endless richness in subtle variations on familiar themes. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you mentioned, you know. You know, talking about Andrew and the other greats that are masters in the water that that you and I have learned from. Right. Like that's that's one of the things that I notice is as good as I think I get with certain things, you watch a master in, in mm-hmm. whatever. It takes me five or six movements to get something <laughs> done, and they're doing it the same thing, right. the same it's, exact movements, but it's really like two movements for them. Right. Right. That's that's that subtlety that you're doing in the repetition of those movements. Oh yeah, yeah. G- great, great observation and a great point is uh, those masters make it. They make it look easy, <laughs> right? And when you practice to achieve that that end right there, to to try to try to master it to that level, you see it's not easy. It's not easy at all. It, it, it and you have to continually keep practicing. You have to stay on that path. It'll come. I mean, these are the conversations I have with my kids about everything they do, and I'm 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 really thankful because they're they're all pretty good at whatever they do, and they're not just good like bam off the bat. They're good because they practice. His fourth key is intentionality. Okay, being clear in your thought and focus to get something done. He says it joins old words with new character, willpower, attitude imaging the mental game but what i'm calling intentionality however you look at it is an essential to take along on the master's journey and he he talks about old golfer jack nicholas yes who mentioned that you know a successful golf shot was not just getting up there and swinging the golf club and hitting a hole in one but it was 50% visualization, 40% setup, and just 10% of him hitting that ball was the swing itself. So a whole lot of prep. And, <laughs> and if you uh, and like this is something like interesting that that hits home with me, you know, you know, having buddies that are all getting into golf and and trying to golf at the same time. I, I look at me going to to play golf. I try to compare that with a lot of students that come to me in diving right mm-hmm. now it's, it's like that's my learning 
right? And it, it's so easy to want to get on YouTube and how do I fix my slice? And in and two in this two minute and forty second uh, video, if you subscribe to my channel, I'll show you how to fix your slice. Uh, get you teach you how to like get extra yardage on your drive, right? It's because it's all about just that quick fix, quick setup. When in reality, it's how you pull the club out of the bag. Yeah. It's how you walk up to the hole, how you stick the 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 thought of sticking the tee into the ground as and and what you're visualizing as you're putting the ball on top of that tee. It's all of that stuff has such a bigger effect than just the mechanics of the swinging motion. Oh yeah. Well, it's like an iceberg, James. You you got the tip of the iceberg and you you got all that shit underneath. That's 90% Dude, larger. You just hit the tip of the iceberg. Right. <laughs> Good play. Good play. I would like to meet that golfer, you know, he's pro golfer and he wins whatever championship and he said, "How'd you get so good? How'd you get to this point? You're new on the on the uh the whole circuit." And he's like, "YouTube. YouTube, man." Right. Have you yeah. ever seen it? Have you ever you guys know what YouTube is? You can learn anything on YouTube. It's uh, I went to the U <laughs> YouTube Academy of Worldwide <laughs> Golfers International. Exactly. They have one for every sport. I like this. So I'm reading, and you don't have to put this in there, but I'm reading his, his interview. You know, keep reading these little excerpts. But in his classes, like he teaches the keto here. He's talking about teaching it. He says in his, in his classes, I'll teach a simple thing in the class this week. It's called walking. So that's what he'll teach in his class so it started at the very basics and math you i guess you'll also see like you've been walking all your life right well for most 99.9 well, percent of your life i walked right out of the womb i don't know about you but i just sippity do that but are you truly masterful at walking do you do you put any thought into walking anymore i tripped walking up the stairs <laughs> exactly. yesterday what are you talking about so I mean that that's it's something you do every day, but you don't have that intentionality. 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 Right. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you could teach an hour long Aikido class about walking mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with fighting, but right. the intentionality of the walking, if you learn that, will pay you dividends for life on learning. Yeah. Aikido in in his example it's the same thing like why like when I've been teaching these um these buoyancy master classes these last uh, year or two I mean it's a couple hours we sit there and we talk about breathing right and, and it's like this is something that you've taken for granted your whole entire life you've never had any intentionality in your breathing whatsoever you just do it well, in reality, for scuba diving, your breathing is is th this is how we control the buoyancy right. with with open circuit for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's even a better example for scuba diving other than that. That's a great one because it's something you've you've done net on your own all your you know literally all your life, <laughs> all your conscious life. You've breathed, but but have you? Have you ever really breathed? Right. It, you know, it's the same thing like, well, you might be a certified scuba diver, but you're not really diving. 
Well, there's that's the difference, right? Yeah, is, there's a like... difference between being certified and being a diver, and the diver is on a quest for mastery. Very good. Very well said. What's the role of intentionality here? It's certainly involved in the creation of the structure as idea. It's also involved in the transformation of that structure from one form to another. This sort of transformation, in fact, is what the process of mastery is all about. Sometimes I have my students hold the vision or the feeling of a certain throw in their mind and then practice it. And then practice it over and over for an hour or more until they're drenched with sweat and wiped clean of their previous thoughts or feelings about the throw. This use of intentionality often produces favorable results in the palpable three-dimensional world of martial arts. Just spending time Mm -hmm. visioning, visualizing, and, and setting up yourself for what you're about to do. Because of the mentality of it, the mental aspect of it is is that powerful, and there's not the mental. Yeah, there is a mental game of scuba. Oh yeah, there's a, a the, mental game of of everything. Thank you. I, and, and and the moment you start like talking shit to yourself about being worried of the ascent, uh, holding your stop, <laughs> uh, dropping your knees, hmm. uh, losing buoyancy, breaking trim. Guess what's coming? That's what's going to happen. All, yeah. all of that's coming. Like, uh-huh. so you need to, you need to have time before that dive to put yourself intentionally in control of your brain, in control of your breathing, to even have a, a chance of being su- successful on all that stuff as the routine. Right. Yes, you have to have. And that's where he's going with intentionality. Get that mental game. Um... That mental game is is obviously quite a big part of the martial arts, as well as scuba diving, right? It's probably even I think a scuba. I think scuba is a bit of a martial art. It is. I think you can make a martial art out of anything. Probably. I mean, well, uh, you could make. Yeah, I guess. I guess an art, right? You can right. make an art of an right. Of it all. Right. I guess uh, martial art kind of has a, a a ring of. Uh, of mastery. I mean, when you say martial arts, the first thing that comes to my mind is somebody attempting a mastery. I don't go into like, yeah, we're karate chopping and fighting people more, more as I go into a martial artist is someone who constantly practices their art and happens to be in uh, fighting <laughs> or defending I, I mean, I, I the more I read the way George Leonard talks about Aikido, which is something that has always fascinated fascinated me, that, that martial art. But the more you read, the more he, he he's he gets into the actual fighting portion of Aikido is a very small portion of Aikido. The majority, well, I think that is the. Yeah. I think that's what any great teacher is going to teach you with any art that you're involved in, be right. it Aikido, be it archery, be it calligraphy, be it scuba. The scuba part, if that's your goal, you're missing all that I want to teach you. All that it has to offer, right. Yeah, it offers a, a chance to have mastery over your mind, over yourself. And, and that is, I mean, if that's your goal... Fuck you. Man, you're... you're <laughs> well, well, 
if that's your goal, you are going to love every minute of the worst day of your training, mm-hmm. where you're the the where you're the biggest bumbling, fumbling, flopping around mess in the water. If your goal is not just getting through the skills to get the card, you're going to enjoy that practice because you know there's improvement at some point along right. the way. Right. Because you're on the long journey. Right. And you're you know you're on the right path. Right. Yeah, because yeah. those uncomfortable moments where you're out of your comfort zone that are the resistance that you need to overcome, that's where the real learning is taking place. Very good. His last key to mastery, he calls the edge. It, it's kind of like, you know, doing that dance of possibility. You know, when, when, you're, when you're so good, you're so practiced, you've, you've learned to, to surrender to the learning, you've gotten the good instruction, you're intentional in everything that you do. Right? It's, a, it's that culmination of all these four. You can start to dance around that edge of possibility. I have a, an Aikido book that you just reminded me of. It's called Aikido. It's a lot like dancing. Oops. Everything. Same Same with scuba. Yeah. Anyway, you don't have to put that in there. It's kind of ridiculous. I, uh, I, wrote, a, I wrote a blog uh, a couple of months back called Dancing with the Bubbles. Dancing with, I think was, I wrote, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was almost that same same very idea. I, I, I think learning a martial art is very much like learning a dance and i i think scuba is is that way as well well yeah i think dan dance is very martial art ish very and it's very, very and it's very team diving esque yeah. in that i need to be able to know the motions right there's building blocks i got to learn how to step i got to learn how to move i got to learn how to sway i need to be able to learn this dance pattern and then I can be really good at it. You can be really get good at it, but we can be terrible together. Like just <laughs> like I'm going, you know, uh-huh. right, and you and you go. We we goof that up, so we've got to be good and fluid together, which is a whole nother level of that ability. Just like scuba diving, right? You got to learn the skills, the buoyancy, the balance, the trim, the kicks, the body mechanics. You got to start learning the personal skills of taking the regulator out of your mouth, putting it back in deploy in the long hose right i learned that you learn that but then when we do like practice an air share the two of us together that's a whole nother level of of practice because mm-hmm. if i'm going up a foot or so while you're go- going down a foot or so even as perfect and exact as we are individually it takes a whole nother lo- right. another level of work to get good at it together right oh it always yeah working with another person you have to kind of get the uh simpatico you know you got to get the two minds on the same same path i guess same right which is why everybody wants to just get their solo diver card because they don't want to put the work in they don't want the practice right now i don't have to rely on anyone in the sense of even finding someone to dive i mean i hear this so so damn often i can't find anyone you got to cultivate someone you have to you know work with them that's because you're not on the path my friend no gotta get on the damn path george says now we come as come we must in anything of real consequence to a seeming contradiction a paradox 
almost without exception, those we know as masters are dedicated to the fundamentals of their calling. They are zealots of practice, connoisseurs of the small, incremental step. And at the same time, and here's the paradox, these people, these masters, are precisely the ones who are likely to challenge previous limits, to take risks for the sake of higher performance, and even to become obsessive at times in that pursuit. Clearly, for them, the key is not either or, it's both and. Agreed. Ah. It's both and. He says playing the edge is a balancing act. It demands the awareness to know when you're pushing yourself beyond safe limits. In this awareness, the man or woman on the path of mastery sometimes makes a conscious decision to do just that. Like to, in other to, words. To, da- to dance on the edge. <laughs> right. To, to play, right? Yeah, I was going to say, in other words, you, you have to make that conscious decision to push yourself to that very boundary of quote-unquote safety, I guess, right? He says, but before you can even consider playing this edge, there must be many years of instruction, practice, surrender, and intentionality. And afterwards, Rando, what comes afterwards, after you've done all the practice, the surrender, the intentionality, you got the good instruction, you're all done, right? No, more practice, bitches. Right. (laughs) That's what he says. You go back to the beginning. More training, practice. more time on the plateau. Mm-hmm. It's the never-ending path again. Exactly. You and can't you achieve want, it. Right? If you want that out of your diving, mm-hmm. you got to get on the path, that, that master's path of, of practice, plateau, practice, plateau, practice, plateau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's but it exactly starts what we were talking about. by finding a great teacher. Somebody with a lineage that that you respect Mm -hmm. and want to be part of. Very good. It takes lots of practice. It's essential that you you put in hours and days and months and years of practice, not just you did it once in the pool. Right. Right. It's not just that you spent one weekend, you know, learning how to deploy a long hose and, and how to do a frog kick. It's your ability to surrender yourself to that world of learning. You know, even even if it's, you know, a bit overwhelming at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, a little unorthodox at first. Well, yeah, it's unorthodox because you, you, you've got a real teacher that's not just going to quick fix you. It's going to put you on a, a real path. Well, that it's, teacher... teach you how to harness your mind... And be intentional in all of those new skills that you're learning. And they, and they might not even be new skills, but it's a new way for you to mm-hmm. interpret those skills. And then after you've done all of that, you got the good instruction, you've been practicing, you've surrendered yourself to this art, you're intentional in everything that you're doing. You know, that, that mastery is going to teach you to, to dance on that edge. Exactly, and uh, I was going to just add about the instruction is a, a good instructor isn't going to teach everyone the same exact way. You know, <laughs> you, you're not getting a cookie-cutter approach to instruction from a good instructor. That's all there is to that. 
Okay, right. you're not going to get the exact same instructor every, you know, for every person. It's just like you know, with kids. Uh, just having this discussion with my daughter the other day, which is, I can't treat all of my children the same. I can't. They're individuals. They they have different strengths and weaknesses. They're di- they're different human beings. Right. You don't. I don't teach them each the same way. I don't have a cookie cutter approach to raising children. I wouldn't have a cookie cutter approach to to teaching a a diver to you know putting them on that path and and helping them along. Would never have that. You have to look at the individual and and work with that. Especially if you're in it for mastery. Exactly. And, and get it, and getting them to be a master of diving. It's one thing to have a cookie cutter approach to day one of right. scuba class, right? You gotta like everybody has to learn Boyle's law, so they don't hold their breath and get to, you know blow out a lung on the way to the surface. Everybody you know has to learn you know how to set up a set of gear. But at some point, if you really want to know what it is that you're doing in this new art that you're taking on. Yeah, there is no cookie-cutter approach. No, it becomes extremely personal. Ah, and that's a good place to call today, I think. That's fucking A. Couple, a couple of episodes about mastery. I love it. I mean, this is the stuff I love about diving. I know we have our Zoom meetings, and we do talk diving. And we, we talk, you know, isobaric counter-diffusion <laughs> bullshit and batteries and material dry suits i mean you name it the that diving topic comes up but to me after the after the second drink you <laughs> to me that yeah it gets well, more it gets more philosophically fun right but we have i don't know if we've really we've really went into this this uh zen approach this this m- mental aspect approach of diving i don't know if we've really gone into it like like we could or should or or to the degree that i know it's part of my diving as as much as it's part of your diving you know we haven't talked about that as much which i think we should yeah i like it i like it we're gonna add that into the our little zooms well okay everybody well we've come to the edge of this episode Ooh. So thanks for joining us. Um, We'll be back at you next week with some more great diving discussions. Thanks for joining us. And just for those of us or those in our audience who are into fishing that want to pursue mastery, you can become a master baiter if you really put the time in (laughs) (laughs) and that's how we sign off safe diving folks (laughs) I I was trying to figure out how to set it up but it came out fantastic alright man Language. I'm gonna go to the pub, have a couple pints, and wait for this whole thing to blow over. <laughs> it's you're gonna be having more than a couple. You're gonna be there till you're in the grave, man. This ain't blowing over. <laughs>